Welcome back, dreamers, for another serving of the Dole Whip and Dreams podcast. As always, I'm your host, Maddie Limerick, and today I am joined by the wonderful podcast host of the Infinity Pod and Screen Snarks from the Certain Point of View media family, Rachel Quirky Shank, as we take a jaunt into Paris of past so we can take a deep dive into the Aristocats. It all begins in 1962, when the Aristocats began as an original script for a two-part live-action episode of Walt Disney's Wonderful World of Color. That's right. The Aristocats were originally going to be live-action. Think of the vein of the super-sad, old-school, The Incredible Journey. It would go through two years of rewrites, and ultimately Walt would suggest that the project be moved forward as a feature animated film, and this would be the last film to be approved by Walt Disney himself. And while he would not work on the film, Walt did appoint Ken Anderson to take point on the film and kind of run it. It would open in 1970 to positive receptions and a great box office response, but as you guys know, it's never that cut and dry. So let's go back and find out more about the Aristocats. The original live-action version of the script would see our sweet family living in New York, though it was ultimately determined that London would be more sophisticated. The rough story followed a butler and maid duo who would inherit a giant sum of money from their mistress, but only after her beloved cats passed away. So much like the final version of the film, the movie centered around their feeble attempts to get rid of the cats, and, you know, it, it ended very much the same way. The script was being pioneered by Tom McGowan and Tom Rowey, both Disney veterans, and while Tom McGowan was filming Escapade in Florence, he brought to Rowey the idea that they changed the setting to Paris, and from then on, we were three French little kittens about to explore the world. Now, like I said before, in 1962, it was rejected by unknown executives at Disney, and in 1963, after substantial changes happened to the script, it was ultimately shelved until an appeal was made and Walt suggested that the Aristocats be moved forward as an animated feature instead of a TV live-action feature. And then it would ultimately become shelved again to push forward production of The Jungle Book. We almost didn't get our delightful cats, and we almost didn't learn that everybody wants to be a cat, but every curious cat has their day. The final change that happened moving from the original live-action scripts into the animated was that it was originally deeply emotional and thought-provoking, and this was abandoned to become more fun-loving and an adventure comedy in the vein of 101 Dalmatians. Now, while I haven't discussed them on the show yet, the animation was overseen by five of Disney's legendary nine old men, and with a crew of Disney animators with over 25 years' experience were at the helm of making this film possible. Now, I'm going to do one specific episode on the legacy of the nine old men, so you just hang on. Don't worry, you won't be as lost. One of the most beloved aspects of this movie is the score, and the score in itself is its own complicated cat. The Aristocats mark the departure of the Sherman Brothers as staff writers at Disney. They were becoming more and more frustrated with the company management after Walt's death, though they would return for the Tigger movie many, many years later. They ultimately wrote seven to eight songs, though only about three were used, including cut songs for uh, The Mistress, Marie, and a song entitled Le Jazz Hot that would eventually be replaced by Everybody Wants to Be a Cat. Yeah, and that is a very different jazz hot than the one that's in Victor Victoria. The score was then ultimately rounded out with songs by Void Huddleston, Al Rinker, and Terry Gillison. 
Oddly enough, the Aristocats marks the beginning of the Disney Dark Age, an almost 20-year period that would end with The Little Mermaid. Now, if you're joining us partway through the podcast history, you should jump back, listen to our Little Mermaid episode and our Great Mouse Detective episodes to learn more about the Disney Dark Ages. Now, why we can say it was part of the Dark Ages? Uh, it was Disney's 20th animated feature film, and it was budgeted at $4 million, but at the box office made $191 bil- million, which in today's money would be $1.265 billion. That's right. A movie about a couple fun-loving cats today would have made $1.265 billion. Take that, Secret Life of Pets. Now, 1987 saw a theatrical re-release, where many critics reviewed it and they compared it to TV animations and TV animated movies of the time, like Rainbow Bright, Transformers, and the Care Bear movies. And while they didn't love the plot of the Aristocats, they still thought it chalked up better and showed the history that 80s animation was destroying. Now, while I have to disagree, because I I disagree, because I have a particular penchant for those films, they're two very different things, and you can't, in my opinion, really, you know, compare them. It has continued to be reviewed over time, and while the charm of our little feline family has never wavered, critics have found it to be less than charming over time. But honestly, what do they know? Most of them are curmudgeons. Now in 2005, listen to this. A follow-up film from Disney Toon Studios was planned along with sequels to Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons. Yeah, yeah. You heard that right. We were going to get an Aristocats 2 along with the return of Chicken Little and Meet the Robinsons again. Originally planned as a 2D animation and a push towards CG animation changed this plan and John Lasseter ended up being named the chief officer of Disney and he canceled the project, which might not have been the worst idea. Now, this story was meant to follow a a teen Marie, a little bit older Marie, uh, who was becoming smitten with another cat aboard a luxury liner as the mistress and the family with Thomas O'Malley were traveling across the Atlantic. However, she and the family quickly must take on an international jewel thief on the open seas. Now, while that sounds kind of exciting, I'm not sure 2005 nor 2020 are the times to revisit the Aristocats. Take a sip of your creme a la creme a la Edgar, and we'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, dreamers. Today, I have an absolutely amazing guest. She's a podcast host from the Certain Point of View Media family and the Infinity Cast. Please join me in welcoming the incredible Rachel Quirky Shank. Rachel, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I'm stoked to be here. I am so happy that you're here with us. So for the dreamers at home who have no idea how I get some of our guests, um, I am a devoted listener to the Screen Start podcast, which Rachel hosts. Oh, uh, and <laughs> and I kind of bombarded Rachel on Twitter uh, with the help of our friends, Matt Storm and Case Aiken, who have already been guests on the show. And Darling she, Angels. Darling Angels. And Rachel has agreed to be with me today. So Rachel, why don't you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and kind of what role Disney has played in your upbringing and your love of pop culture and those kinds of things. Oh boy. Wow. Wait, wait to just really open a yeah, can of worms it, on me. It's a, it's Not a, the Disney Channel original movie can of worms. No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> different can of worms. Um, well, I mean, as, as a kid, like I always wanted to be a performer and one of the first songs that I learned by heart that wasn't like the ABCs or 
like row, row, row your boat was part of your world mm-hmm, from The Little mm-hmm, Mermaid. Mm-hmm, and uh, I've just, it, it's always been connected to me as like a musical theater performer, you know, like especially the 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 Disney Renaissance, mm-hmm, uh, uh, mm-hmm. you know, where it was like Alan Minkin was taking the reins and just making these animated stage musicals, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I just like grew up on all this stuff. And of course, like, my mom had VHS copies of everything from like the 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 animal version of Robin Hood to the Aristocats on VHS. So I've I just consumed those in my in my VCR as a kid and just mm-hmm. have al- have always loved musicals in in whatever iteration. So I don't know. It's just like my love of music and my love of high fantasy and storytelling. I think Disney just just like crushes it across the board, especially for for like little kids, you know? Yeah. Like it's always so touchable. Like I had no idea the shows that I was watching on VHS were from the the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, -hmm. whatever. They're timeless. They're classic. They are. Well, and especially when we're talking about the time when the Aristocats came out, which, you know, uh, everyone should know (laughs) at this point that we're talking about the Aristocats today. Um, And it's interesting because this was the first movie released after Walt passed. Um, and it was the last movie that he actually like put his little stamp of approval on. Mm-hmm. And, but it is, you know, it is such, uh, it is from a different time, but again, as you've said, classic, like many of these things, and because it's from a time when Disney had no competition in yeah. animated features. Now this also Interestingly enough, marks the beginning of the Disney Dark Ages. Yes. Uh, even though I don't consider this part of that, it, it does kick off this almost 20-year period where they just did not know what was happening. And yeah. the, the world was changing. The Vietnam War was ending. We were headed for a giant economic crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, things were different. So, um, I, you know, I, as I do with a lot of our guests, I kind of put it out there and ask, what do you want to do? And so, Rachel, why the Aristocats? Oh my gosh! Because I I watched this one religiously as mm-hmm, a kid, mm-hmm. uh, and it's it's a property that I haven't touched. And like like everyone else who probably listens to this show, when Disney Plus dropped, you're just like looking around, going like, "Ah, oh, yes, of course, bed knobs and broomsticks, how mm-hmm, fun! Mm-hmm. Ooh, the computer wore tennis shoes. Who cares? Mm-hmm. What Aristocats? You can't, you devils! You cannot, <laughs> you cannot present this to me. I I'm pretty sure the first uh, five minutes that like title sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, was the like one of the first things I watched when Disney Plus came into my life. Oh. I was like, yes, I'll watch The Mandalorian. It's fine. But first, we just got to hear this like really cute song about how classy these cats are. Yep. I just love it. Yep. Oh, yeah. Baby Yoda, who? Give me the three kittens. I'm kidding. Oh my I, lo- gosh. I, lo- I love my green sweet bean. Baby. We have oh, not. Sweet I love them. Well, and what's so interesting <laughs> is this is one of my sister's favorite properties. So I always enjoyed it. I love animal films. Yeah. I'm that kid. Um, you know, I grew up with My Little Pony and versus I'd rather have them than real people. Um, but yeah, I've always loved the Aristocats. And uh, especially my sister is eight years younger. So. It's always been present in our home. And we, I think Christina might have worn out this VHS at least once. We we had a habit of wearing out Disney VHSs. And so it's always been tangentially around. But what's interesting is even for people who don't regularly watch the movie, Marie 
has always existed as like a she's always present in Disney merchandise. Always. Yeah. Just yeah. Like she I mean she's she's got like the 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 appeal of being an adorable kitten, you know, like mm-hmm. I loved mm-hmm. Disney movies and I also loved the, the animal cat. Like I just loved them. I had, yeah. I had pet cats when I was growing up. Um, mm-hmm. I, I watched cats, the musical, like I consumed Oliver and company. Mm-hmm. I just, the, I, I just was company. a cat person as mm-hmm. a kid yeah. for sure. You know? Uh, so I get it. Like, yeah. I want a, I want a little Marie. She's so cute. Well, little, little pink bow. I'm dying. Oh, she's darling. But you know what's funny? It's taken until like this year for us to get regular merchandise of the boys with Marie. Yeah. Like Turlio, uh, Berlioz and Toulouse, Turlios, Berlioz and Toulouse are, they're just r- rarely present and uh, my sister always hated that she couldn't have a plush of them. And of course, as I've tried to tack them down over the years, they are they were expensive. Those Disney collectors are those Disney collectors are crazy on eBay. So why do you think the well? First, okay, first I have a question for you: Are they jellical cats? I don't think so. I don't think uh, so either. No, because I think jellical has a, a connotation of being more involved in the cat community. Mm-hmm. If any if any cats in this are the Jellicle cats, it's Scat Cat and his team of cats. Yeah. Like very much like I'd say the I'd say the classiest of the Jellicles would be Bustopher Jones, but I think Bustopher mm-hmm. Jones is still kind of like, you know, he's out and about, he's going places, but like Duchess and the Kittens, they are mm-hmm. at home. Mm-hmm. They are not participating in 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 ceremonies where one of them will die. Like there's that's not very that's true. not happening. That's very true. Maybe I, Duchess's uh, baby daddy was a jellicle, and that's why he's not in the picture. But who knows? Okay, so that's always a question I've had, and of course, you're not going to get into the idea of cons- you know, um, you know, where baby kittens come from in a children's yeah. movie, especially in the '70s. But like, I think it's interesting that they made the choice to it, that it's just Duchess and the kittens, and yeah. the kittens are all very different. They all look very um, uh, thing. But you know, someone who in this movie I love that gets almost no clout is is the the madam. I love. I was oh, literally I just rewatching her. it, and she is this like poised, statuesque, older single woman yeah. that like. Where I feel like she's had illicit lesbian love affairs her entire life. Yes. And this is just her. It's, it's, I was just watching it going, uh, I've never appreciated her until like, I am now feeling like I'm an old queer woman in in my (laughs) aging years. I just, I love her so much. Um, And it's just, you know, it's so interesting. But I think, why do you think this movie's had so much staying power to always be in that periphery of, I feel like when people can mention top 10 Disney movies, this is one of the few pre-Renaissance movies that naturally comes to the tip of people's tongue. Why do you think that is? I, I wonder if it, if it has to do with its, its musical sensibilities. Like Mm -hmm. I think that the songs inherent in this piece are, are just darling. They're catchy. Mm -hmm. They have that sort of similar quality as like, you know, your, your, your classic MGM musical movie, you know, you've got, and, and then you've, you've got just a, 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 how do I describe it? Uh, like a storyline that's not so like 
magical crazy, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just the actions of like one guy, mm-hmm. you know, kidnapping some cats. Like, I, I think it has that similar quality that the that the Robin Hood does, where it's just mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, this is very mm-hmm, fun mm-hmm. and it's very accessible mm-hmm. and it's not doing anything that's too like high fantasy. So yeah. I think when it comes to Disney movies, if you're looking for something grounded in realism, you've got Aristocats, you've got mm-hmm. Robin Hood, you've got Oliver and Company or mm-hmm. uh, what was the one I just thought of? Uh, 101 Dalmatians. You yes, know? So like yes. These are the ones that are sort of more like the slice of life. Disney, yeah, absolutely. And I, think that, I think that really works, especially if you're someone who does love, old classic musicals because that's mm-hmm. what this is it's just mm-hmm. an old classic musical it's like a road movie almost but yes yeah but with cats yeah well and i think it's interesting because this film marks the end of the sherman brothers as the in studio musicians for disney mm-hmm. and i didn't realize until i was doing research they wrote about eight songs for this movie so it's going to be a much broader musical and huh. they they cut all but three so it's like the 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 opening song scales yeah. and arpeggios and one other song they wrote and everything else were these other people they brought in. They wrote this like Victor Victoria style jazz hot number instead of everybody wants to be a cat. Um, And so, but it really transitioned Disney into what would happen. This movie set up everything of how they were going to succeed or not succeed post Walt. It was pulling everybody away. And this, while this film was overseen by five of the nine old guys, uh, which I'm going to get to in an upcoming bonus episode about the nine old men, um, (laughs) because we haven't we haven't covered them yet. I think this this is like the second oldest movie we've done so far, which which I love. Um, But it along the way, it almost stopped happening. And so. I don't know if you know, this started life as a two-part live-action television show for for Walt Disney World of Color. I did not know that either. And so it's so interesting looking at this story and thinking about it have been in the original, like, um, the Incredible Journey, Homeward Bound kind of thing of Mm -hmm. actual animals playing these roles Mm -hmm. with, like, live-action people. And that's so weird to me. And it almost makes sense of why they said the script never worked. Yeah. And so like for me, I think that's that's obvious. And then Walt in his wisdom went, you know what? What if we make an animated feature instead? Uh, but then of course they were like, so it's gonna get back, it's gonna get bookshelved because of Jungle Book. So yeah. um, but I think just thinking about this, even outside of the realm that we're living in of contemporary reboots of live action reboots, which I'll get to a point at the very end about, but um <laughs> that this I feel like if this had been a live action story, it, it would not stay in the the kind of lexicon of Disney pop culture yeah, that it sure. does. I just I just yeah. don't see because the animated sensibility of that you could still like something I love today watching was you could still see pencil strokes between different and um, and there are just so many great cameos in this too of the a lot of times in these animal movies for me it's it's the the secondary cast so you oh, got yeah. our our English geese who I'm obsessed with I love Uncle Waldo so much oh oh he's Uncle Waldo so- is just like I would I would kill to just see. A movie with Uncle Waldo. Oh, Just like, absolutely. give me that Uncle Waldo good, good content. I'm not even mad. Absolutely. Well, and he's <laughs> so, you know, that's back when we could make jokes about 
alcoholism in the European and it was funny. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's very much, um, uh, a callback to like what, uh, in, uh, I love to laugh in Mary Poppins of these things yeah. of just these moments that were just, and the, some of the humor as an adult, I, I did not get as a child, like the idea that it was like, Oh, he was going to get cooked. Oh, he drank all the white wine. I get it now. They, yeah. um, and it, you know, it's those beautiful moments. Cause this is also from a time where, they were making the movie for kids and not caring that thinking about the parents had to bring their kids to the movie. So yeah. the parents still had to sit through it as well. Um, but I think, you know, it's, uh, I just, I enjoy, I just enjoyed the, that kind of 75 minutes of watching this movie so much. Um, and I think it's something that also works is they, sometimes you don't need a super complex story to make a, no, a film work. Yeah. And you know, just, just give, give your character something to work for, mm-hmm. have them work for it. You know, like Duchess and the kitchen kittens, they just want to get home. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a simple enough feeling that you can empathize with it. Like these little babies just want to be in their house where they're safe, but yeah. now they're in the rain and that's very sad. And aren't things yeah. so cute when they're sad? Yeah, especially three little kittens. They're just so, um, you know, and you've you've got uh, Miss Gabor voicing Duchess with, you know, and it's also it was still a, a kind of a who's who of of actors at the time when actor oh, yeah. when we didn't just have voice actors, um, you know, so many you know actors were doing you know, they would come in to do the animated feature specifically for Disney because it was Disney and it still had the. Um, the connotations of the, that it didn't in Walt's lifetime. And so there's just, there's so, there's just so much to like about this movie. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, we always talking about things. There's, you know, there's always something that we could change or something. So I, you know, even going through the script, breaking it apart as like a storytellers and things. I think they did a nice job of connecting, you know, the point A to the point B to the point C and there's not much I would change. Uh, oh. What do you think? Oh no, I I I think that it 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 all works on a story beat for beat. You know, yeah. Like there's there's nothing that that needs a lot of explaining. You know, they just they meet Thomas O'Malley and O'Malley mm-hmm. helps them get back. You know, and just these series of events of like who do you meet on the road some very english geese you know uh yeah, two yeah. two uh, two dogs who i just adore those dogs lafayette and napoleon are you kidding me and They're also so i just good. love that they They're sort so of good. inter intersect more in in this sort of b plot with edgar trying to get away mm-hmm, with the crime mm-hmm. like i just think it's really mm-hmm. tight i think it's really it's just a really yeah. tight story you know like there's yeah. there's nothing that seems extraneous in it like i said it's it's no. just like a road movie you know the colorful characters you meet when you're trying to get somewhere Absolutely. And I, I think they, well, it's because originally they started production in 62. So like they actually had quite a lot of time to live with this. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you know, when you're doing, you know, two years of development for TV yeah. and then it gets bookshelved and then they go, okay, let's bring it back and let's, let's work it out. And you're working with, I mean, cause if you look at that team of writers, like we think a Beyonce song has a lot of writers, this movie 
had six or seven writers and six or seven yeah. animate heads and and six or seven developers and so which is odd on a movie this simplistic but I think because originally it's, it was going to take place in New York and then it was in London and then they were like no London and 101 Dalmatians they're too connected let's put it in France yeah. we haven't had anything in Paris um, but yeah I, I and it was originally going to have a maid and a butler um, who were going to try and get rid of them. And I think as I'm looking at this from like a writing standpoint, having one streamlined character worked much easier um, than having two humans who could be fueled by different reasons for their greed. Now, the one thing I, I as a kid, I always went, but, like, Edgar's thinking about cats having nine lives. But, like, that whole thing of when a cat gets reborn, it's not the same cat. So, like, I, he really, he's just got to hold on not very yeah, long. Yeah, he did some, did some bad math on it, you know, very much. Uh, and also, one thing that always puzzled my will, even as a small child, it was like, Yes, the cats are getting the fortune, but they can't make financial decisions. Even no. if this money belongs to these cats, someone's going to have to take care of the the cats in the household. It's going to be you, bud. Or you yeah. could just wait until the madame kicks the bucket and just toss these cats in a barrel. Like, there's so many other options, Edgar. You crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy butler. It's It's so true. I mean, and it's... It's delightful because he's the. I I also just love how weirdly men are animated and how refined and elegant the women are are animated in this. Oh, it's for so. Sure. It's so well. One, it's kind of delightful, especially knowing when it came out. But um, yeah, it's so funny because he's he's got that. They're like, we're gonna make him look unusual and extreme so that you know he's the bad guy. Yeah. And so, but yeah, it's that. It's that's the one. One little thing. I always play, I always take a little bit of a game from our friend Case's show, Another Pass, where I go, okay, what's one thing I would change? And I always try to find one thing. And so I think maybe it would be Edgar, but also it's a kid's movie at the end of the day. And so he's being irrational in a way that humans, we are, are irrational. Because yeah. there's always that joke of what, what do rich people do because they're so disconnected from the world. They leave their millions of dollars to their pets. So yeah. like... Who are we to say? I like pets way more than I like humans. So honestly, yeah, I probably sure do. <laughs> the 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 oh, who was it? I used to I used to go past the building. The like I think it's the MetLife building. The, mm -hmm. the lady who had a big stake in that uh, did end up giving her fortune to her dog. Yes, 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 like, yes, yes. yes. It, 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 it is a story that that for sure happened. So, I mean, I get it, you know, like your yeah. pets can be your family and you, you mm -hmm. love them and you're just like, mm -hmm. no, it goes to m my cats. Yeah. There yeah. you go. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's one of those little things and then I just kind of, I let it go because then we wouldn't have any movie um, without, you know, without Edgar being Edgar and, and. Um, joking. I know for a short time, one of the years at one of the, the Disney festivals down here at Epcot, they were going to offer Cremala Cremala Edgar at one of the booths. And I was like, that might be a really bad idea. Oh, <laughs> just, please just call it what it is. A Mickey Finn. Just yeah, get it, through it. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, Epcot's all about booze. I mean, that's really what Epcot's about. So like, just, 
it's fine. But yeah, it's yeah. oh, but I, it's one of those. Every time I think about it, I just smile. And it's just a nice. Well, and it's funny because yesterday I was at Walt Disney World, and they have a whole Dooney and Burke line of Aristocats things now, and it's very cute. It's very expensive, so if yeah. you want a very expensive tote bag, and they they had a lovely French cut dress with all the cats on the bottom, and I was like, this is just so nice. I just, yeah. I really, I like this so much. But um, you know, it is nice because it ultimately was um. It wasn't a critical – well, I guess it was a critical success. When it first was released, critics loved it for it being a Disney movie, but they chalked yeah. it up to being a kid's movie. Um, but what I think is interesting, it was re-released in 1987 in theaters before a home video release. And all the critics at the time, it was released the same year as Care Bears 2. Rainbow Bright yeah. and Transformers the movie. And so oh it was they reviewed it on the like against those three movies. And they were like, well, it's nice to see that this holds up because we hate this new bullshit. <laughs> uh, uh, and even one said, despite Leonard Nimoy's best try at a, at a Shakespearean performance in Transformers. And I was like, Y'all so rude, uh, but you know because I have such fond memories of those movies as a yeah. as a kid. But honestly, don't revisit them. I revisited the first My Little Pony movie, and it sucks. It's so bad. Cloris Leachman cannot save that one. No, and you know what's so funny? So uh, if you all have, especially any nostalgia 80 babies out, 80s babies out there, go over to our friend Casey's show, uh, Another Pass on Certain Point of View Family, and listen to the episode that Rachel's on about the My Little Pony movie. Listen uh, to me be so mad. Just like- I, I will say, I revisit that movie about once every year. Uh, I just eat an edible and watch the movie. Holy and so I was I was yelling at you all a little bit. But like then I was like, you know what? Not, nothing they said was incorrect. Yeah. <laughs> like, like everything they said was correct. And so, you know, it is interesting to think of it like, you know, this idea of why Disney is this monolith and why they have the staying power. I guess mm-hmm. it's that that simple story still Sells and this idea of any sort of dream and you know because there, there's no there's no giant like fable to take away from the Aristocats. There's nothing you know. Yeah, it's everybody's delightful. They have a delightful time. A, a little kind of bad thing happens. Yeah, everybody's alive and they make it home okay. And then they, they you know the madam adopts all the cats. Yeah, here we are. It's beautiful. It's lovely. Um. So I, I understand why it made 191 million in box office in 1970 money. That wow. might be combined. That might be combined with the 1987 release as well. But like for our audience at home, that is 1.258 billion dollars in contemporary. It is. It is in the top five of well, maybe the top ten animated releases of all time, which I think is so interesting because you know, shocking. It's exactly like it. It does well, but a lot of the other movies we've looked at, including like Green Mouse Detective and and all of these others, they do well, and everybody goes. They made forty million, which was a really nice, you know, because it, it only I think cost four million to make this movie. Like at yeah. the end of the day, and so it's one of those that goes that combined. I go well. That means so many people saw this movie, and I believe it was one of uh, not one of the first, but it, it had a wide release in multiple languages, including French. Which makes sense. Um, oh, there's something else. Why is Marie British? 
Duchess is like kind of British, and then the boys are like starkly American. I ask no questions. I have no. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. It's it's like why are the dogs southern? I don't know, but I love it. Yeah, it's wonderful. Also, I I did I did end up watching a little bit of the uh, uh, the Robin Hood. It's on my brain. Uh, The the seven. I think it's nineteen seventy three. It is Robin Hood, and yeah, uh, I just couldn't get it out of my head that Napoleon was also the sheriff of Nottingham. And I was just like, I can't, what are we doing? And the geese are, um, Madam Cluck and Maid Marion. Oh, dang. Yeah. And, and for anyone out there that's seen the odd couple, uh, the movie and the TV show, they were both of the girlfriends as well. So like they were, they were a pop cult. They were like such a pop culture duo. Um, though for one of them, I believe, the the woman that would voice Maid Marian, these were her last two like things she did. She didn't die. These were just like the last two things she did, media wise mm-hmm. for for film. Um, but yeah, I got you know. I guess we just shouldn't uh, shouldn't talk about the thing. Now I think we're as much as I love this movie, we're we're at a point, and there was a heavy discussion this past year of what it would mean for some now questionable content to make it to Disney plus and they were just going to get rid of it. And I'm glad they did not. Um, but arguably the most iconic moment in this movie is everybody wants to be a cat. It's probably one of the most remembered things, but there's a very Disney old Disney thing in here, which is yeah. And like a very old school, like Hollywood. Yeah. Ugh. How do how how do we unpack? Well, especially because it's I always go straight to the Siamese cat playing piano, but it's yeah. also you've got you've got the Russian cat on cello, you've got the Italian cat on ukulele, you've got the like weird British I or American he was hippie cat. Oh, squeeze box! Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yes. Um, and it's these kind of stereotype roles that again were so prevalent in film at this time also probably voiced by white men all white men i did look it up now one of them he had like he was one of those white guys that was kind of tan so he had a whole career of playing not white roles which again again that's a whole lot of shit to unpack um but like that's what we've been doing on the show because like as much as we love it um I uh, I want to unpack things. Oh, yeah, I'm about to record the, the Robin Hood episode on Tuesday with our friend Pat, Pat Edwards. Oh, so amazing. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, I and do these love will come that out. Movie very much. They'll come it's out together because they're, yeah. they're right next to each other. Perfect. So that'll be good. But um, I mean, but, listen, if, if, if Robin Hood's going to borrow animation cells from the Aristocats, we might as well borrow motifs from Robin Hood over here on the Aristocats it's, episode. It's right? so true. It's so, here we are. Um, but let's let's talk about this. So mm-hmm. Lady in the Lady in the Train had already come out, I believe, and so we'd had We Are Siamese, which yes. is appalling now, and they fixed it in the live action version. I believe Janelle Monet did it, but I have not seen it yet, so I don't, yeah. I can't. Um, but how do we kind of have this conversation now about? Yes, it was a different time, but it doesn't mean that it was different. It doesn't mean that it was wrong because it was a different time. I think or it doesn't mean, I'm sorry, it doesn't mean that it wasn't wrong just because it was earlier before people were saying it. Yeah. Like how, do I, we, how do we kind of unpack this? I think this? it's just important that we, we see it for what it is and we really think about the history of the way Western audiences have, have fetishized and stereotyped 
uh, mm-hmm. people from 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 different cultures, you know, specifically like uh, Eastern cultures, you know, like mm-hmm. we we've sort of had this weird way that we like ex- like make them so exotic or funny mm-hmm. or whatever, and I think it's just I think the best way to deal with it is just to like know our history you know like yeah see it for what it is like we can't we can't obviously we can't go back in time and change it you know mm-hmm. and and i and i don't think that we necessarily need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. i think we just need to constantly like stay on on task and just be like this was wrong mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we shouldn't do this anymore you know i think we right. have such a such a such a weird like society right now where we're kind mm-hmm. of doing this thing where we're not embracing representation. We're kind of mm-hmm. trying to avoid it or mm-hmm. the discussions about it. I, I just watched the the live action Aladdin, which I think is great for representation, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and the fact that they were just like, no, we're doing this this way. Um, mm-hmm. But we're, we're still kind of living in that, especially right now we're living sort of in that world where, we're on the cusp of recuperation when it comes to representation mm-hmm. and I'm a little nervous about it, but I think if we just hold things up to, to like our history and we just, we just stay mm-hmm. aware, you know, we don't just yeah. go, Oh, well that was, that was bad. I think it's just like, well, yes, we've, mm-hmm. we've had a, we've had a streak of misrepresenting entire swaths of people. Like I constantly think mm-hmm. of, of Mickey Rooney in breakfast at Tiffany's where it's just oh. like, this is so bad. This is so, so bad. harmful, and mm-hmm. I, I, I just don't think that we should we should bury stuff. You know, I think we should yeah. look at our past and just be better. Just like go, that was that was shitty. What we did. I'm sorry. Yeah. Are we allowed to curse no, here? Yeah. Curse away. This is not a okay, family cool. show. I'm so sorry. You are good. Cool. Good <laughs> man. But yeah, I think it's just we've we've got to just stay honest mm-hmm. about it like that's a hateful representation that exists in a charming movie mm-hmm. but there's a hateful history to to our country you know yeah. that, that we just if we pretend it didn't happen then we're just as bad you know yeah. or we're just as we're just as wrong so yeah and i yeah, and I think we're in a time where, like, this idea of performative wokeness is so prevalent yeah. that everybody is so afraid of being called racist, being called homophobic, trans. Yeah. I, I had someone on my Facebook the other day who, the Alyssa Milano braids issue has come up, this idea of, you know, white women or white passing women, um, uh, you know, taking, you know, taking these uh, hairstyles and all these things, like, what does this mean? And someone went, I asked my very black girlfriend and dot, dot, dot. And I went, oh, I'm done. Oh, I'm done. Like, I think, you know, Whoopi put it best when they made her one of the, the Disney icons that she was like, okay, cool. Now that I have this position with you all, y'all got to do some cleanup because this historical bullshit is not fun. You can't yeah. hide it. You have to embrace it. You have to educate and move on. Yeah. I mean, because it's every time this conversation happens, you have to bring up Song of the South. And it's like, yes. you can't... You. Splash Mountain is your most popular attraction in Walt Disney World. One of them, you can't have that and then not address where, you know, where your, 
you know, it's one of those things that I think it does more damage by them going, oh, we're going to forget that this happened. Yeah. Like by them just going, we're not going to put the crows in the new in the new live action Dumbo, which oh, it's boy. like, yeah, that's probably a great idea. But let's address this issue. Yeah, um, I, I think it's uh, Lindsay Ellis does a really great uh, uh, video essay about woke mm-hmm. Disney. It's mm-hmm. and I was also going to recommend her latest piece about uh the character, uh, what's the character's name from Phantom? Um, he's uh, a, a, an Eastern man, and he's often whitewashed in in oh, yes. of the Phantom. Mm-hmm. And it talks a lot about the history of uh, uh, the the fetishization of people from from the East. You know, yes. uh, I think. I don't. I don't want to say like the word, but like that idea of like Orientalism. Yes, you know, where well, it's like I mean, they're either they're either exotic and and sexy, mm-hmm. or they're like barbaric and evil. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, it's it, or or they're or they're the butt of a joke. And I think it's right. just we can only get better when we know where we do it wrong. So I right. think sometimes we need to see where we've really messed it up to right. move past it and be like, because mm, like you, failure is the best teaching tool, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that the representation yes. of this particular cat uh, is a failure. And, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, we can't undo it. We can learn from it. Yeah. And, you know, I, Matt, Matt Storm and I talk about this again in our little, uh, in our Aladdin episode a little bit as well of how, you know, in, in that movie it was like, cool, we have this, Middle Eastern big bubble, you know, uh, thing, but, but then it's all white actors where this, I think we do have to look at the idea of Orientalism and how it played into all media, but also interior design, marketing, mm-hmm. um, product development, um, sham medicine, sham medicine. And that was huge at this time. And it was just something that was happening. Like I watched, um, I'm a big doctor who fan and I, I'm, maybe one of the few people that goes back and recreationally watches classic who. And, um, there is a Victorian, uh, Tom Baker episode where it, uh, there is a, Oh, it's like a magic show. It's like American vaudeville, but there it's like all this Asian, uh, mysticism and acts and all, all of the Asian actors, have the terrible prosthetic and it's teen, like it's no. it's 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 the BBC in the 70s yeah. and so you can see, you see the line and it's like mustard yellow grease paint on their face and it's one of those other things at this time where I go nobody thought this you know nobody thought this was wrong yeah you know, and maybe people were going, well, isn't it great that there are Asian people? Isn't it great that there are Asian roles in film? You get you get a role in a movie. Isn't that great? You know, it's it's about in Broadway, like 15 years ago, at one of the, the Easter bonnets, one of the Lion King cast did, uh, did the uh, there's a black girl in every role song that, in every show. And she's like, I get to be the one black girl in the show. And But it's, you know, it's one of those things that I'm sure someone somewhere thought, Having a mo- an ethnically diverse cast of cats who were all stray alley cats, yeah, you know they thought that was a great idea, yeah. And it's I'm like, well, they're sure not all, in- they're not all French, so there you go, right? You know, m- sh- multi multiculturalism right mm-hmm. here in our Aristocats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this was just before. Um, 
uh, oh, what was it called? Affirmative action was passed. Uh, and so, you know, which led to a lot of ignorantly negative connotations with race and place in America. And so I think it's, um, like you have to address it cause it's there and it's yeah. so interesting. And, and even as a kid, he was my favorite in that scene cause he was so kooky. Yeah. But like and as like an adult, that, I, that little like couplet is so catchy. Like. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's like, oh, we have an Asian character. It's got to go da 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 because you can't have it otherwise. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this would go through kung fu movies of, you know, the 70s, 80s, the, the 90s comedy kung fu movies. Um, and even a little bit in if we look at Mulan and mm-hmm. even the breaking down of how that was huge strides, huge yeah. strides. Um and you know we're on the we're on the cusp of the ne- the Mulan live action being released, which is doing even more strides. Um, yeah. But uh, you know it's one of those things that there's still always going to be. A, well, we did it, but let's do it better next time. Yeah. And you know I think that's just kind of where it is. And I th- you know I think it's about you know parents having conversations conversations with their children. Um, you know. F- professors in in college classes having conversations with their students about representation whether it's in writing or film or theater or this is a conversation we're having massively at the university of florida right now in the theater department it is a huge uh, university-wide issue that we're having um but as we talk about live action remakes it was announced a month or two ago that we're getting a live action aristocats for disney (sighs) plus How does this make you feel? Well, of the live action, re, I guess reimaginings, and I'm yeah. and I'm saying live action with many many quotation marks because these are not live action; they are mostly CG with real yeah, actors. Yeah, photorealism. Yeah, it's the photorealism. Yes. Um, yes. It seems to me that they often remove the soul of the piece. Mm-hmm. And kind mm-hmm. of just go, hey, remember when you liked when the genie did the thing that he did? Mm-hmm. He's doing it mm-hmm. now, but now he's Will Smith, so haha. And yep. it, I think it's just if you're going to make something again, you should strive to make it better. But I think what mm-hmm. the live action thing is, they're just making them new. Like it's yes. just a new, like it's new now. Mm-hmm. Like, ah, it's the, it's the new version of it. And I don't think any, any of the ones that I've seen so far, maybe Cinderella being exception. Cause I thought, I thought the Cinderella Wonderful. was mm-hmm. pretty nice. It was very, nice. Um, it was well, very, very well done. But the rest yes. of them, like Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, I refuse mm-hmm. to touch the Lion King. Just the, looking at it on a level of animation alone, just like mm-hmm. hurts mm-hmm. my soul. It just feels like kind of this. And I, I hate being cynical about it, but like a cash grab on the branding of this thing. Oh, a thousand percent. You know, and like I never I never want to paint ill intent on on our on our capitalist masters. But here I go. <laughs> it just feels like they just want to cash in on everybody's nostalgia buttons. Like we, mm-hmm. we're like so mm-hmm. into nostalgia right now. We're just like, Oh, let's relive some stuff. But mm-hmm. I think it's just better to relive what's there versus spending a billion dollars to make something yeah. that's, that's a lesser yes. version of a good thing. Yeah. Like it's a really yeah, simple yeah, yeah. lesson to just maybe don't 
do a do a worse job at a thing that's very good because everyone's going to be like, well, why didn't I just enjoy the thing that's very good? You know, right. why didn't I just watch the the, the animated Aladdin that's already there? Mm-hmm. Because I mm-hmm. I know that that's got charm and soul mm-hmm. and 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 a transcendent Robin Williams performance as the genie, like. Mm-hmm. But instead, you give me Will Smith, and you suck all the charisma out of Will Smith. Somehow. Exactly, and it's, how do you do that? Well, it's Guy Ritchie doing a Disney Guy movie. Ritchie, I just how dare you! I'll <laughs> never stop being mad about the Aladdin remake. Like, well, and so, so bad. Where just, you haven't touched Lion King, I can't touch the Aladdin. Now that we have Disney Plus, I watched the Lion King the other day, and I have a lot of feelings, ugh. but. All of which I think can be summed up with Lindsay Ellis's video, Woke Disney. Yeah. Um, go check her out. She is brilliant. Um, because it's that thing that she brings up that they feel the need to put contextual... I, I'm going to keep saying wokeness because that is where we are right now, yeah. especially with that be- the beauty. Because, like, on face value, I liked the Beauty and the Beast with the exception of Emma Watson having the the charisma of a wet sponge in that movie. Yeah. A sweet, sweet girl. She's oh, – I'm sorry. That, that was really disrespectful of me. Really wonderful woman who is yeah. doing brilliant things. Um, and she was a very sweet belle, but – she just wasn't right for it. And I get why they did casting her because she's Hermione and Belle. They're so similar. Yeah. Oh, this, but this she, one loves books. Oh, mm-hmm. Belle loves books. But Exactly. You know, she's, they can only take you so far. And they're like, look how beautiful she is in such a homely, realistic way. Um, but, you know, then you get in the castle and you're like, Audrey McDonald's there. I can't be mad at anything when Audrey McDonald's Stanley Tucci or being singing and items, I guess. But, you know, it's that thing I worry. And you know what? Cinderella didn't put anything onto the story other than telling the Cinderella story and then oddly having Kate Blanchett in Dior style costumes, which looked amazing. So good. Like just, that's, that's a beautiful film to look at. And that one's non-musical. So good. Correct. Non-musical. And I think it worked well being not a musical. Yeah. And, and it just seems that Disney keeps doing this thing where they have musical versions of these animated features, but they don't utilize them. Like it just, it boggles my mind that we have this, this Aladdin currently playing on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is mm-hmm. actually happening as I speak, mm-hmm. and they didn't, and they didn't take any of those elements. Yeah. You know, like well, especially because when you're talking about Aladdin, that Aladdin musical is that it's the version that Howard Ashman wanted to have before, while he was literally dying of AIDS, and Jeffrey Katzenberg was like, "Fuck you, queer." we're doing a different movie and was like, you guys can't touch anything he wants. Um, and like that idea that like, I will, I will forever scream about it. That like, when you think about the legacy of the people who were dying at that time and the significance of Howard Ashman writing a song, like proud of your boy yeah, and putting it in a film and then having it cut and cutting Aladdin's mom, you know, they, and so they've, they fixed, fixed all those things in the, the musical and not that they're bad in the movie, because, like, oddly enough, the movies all end up really great. But, like, the musical then tells a different version of the story. Yeah. Beauty and the Beast on – like, I would have rather them have just found re- – I also – why do we have to have stars in every single role? Disney used to be about feature – Disney Money. made us – well, Money, Disney baby. Ma- 
The thing is, Disney used to make so much money making stars out of people. Like, yeah. Annette Funicello would have been no one without Disney. Because she wasn't particularly talented, but God, was she charming. And so, you know, Mickey Mouse Club, Into the Beach movies, like, she and Frankie Avalon were just huge because of that. And, you know, it's yeah. it's always been, well, look at the 90s Mickey Mouse Club. Nobody watched it, but, like... Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Ryan Gosling, for, like for like all of these people, Christina Aguilera, who are all now you know very grown adults, uh, who have, you know, um, or even what they did with you know Disney Channel. Why not make star like Belle could have been no one, and the movie would have still been because really everybody else in that movie great singers. Yeah. Emma Watson not a great singer, and it kind of ruined it, and like. Even in the Aladdin movie, everybody's an okay singer. Naomi Scott is trying as hard as she can. Um, and I was looking forward to that because I loved her as the Pink Ranger in the new Power Rangers movie. Yeah. Like, and and that boy that played Aladdin, he's a cute little snack. Yeah, he's also so good. very yeah. talented dancer. He's so great. Great dancer. Um, you know, and it's, it's also one of those things where you talk about, like, Disney tried to do better by maybe taking the queer coding off of a villain with Jafar and then he somehow got less interesting. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things that I, I, uh, as we do this with these, these movies, because like to me also, I go, you know what? Maybe the Aristocats would actually be a really fun live action movie, especially on the scope of Disney plus. They might not try to pump it full of, joie de vivre if you will since it's a French movie they won't try to make it a blockbuster they'll do what they did with Lady and the Tramp which is just kind of tell the story and use cute animals Um, but you know I also go I have so many friends who are writers in between New York and LA and all over and I was like Disney why don't you go get like a really interesting new script and and make that because people are kind of they're not going to unsubscribe to Disney Plus. Yeah. So at that point, it's not like you're even making box office off of it. We know yeah. you're making. We know you're making like twenty five million a year off Disney Plus. So like, why not use that as an opportunity to you or continue things like Andy Mack that they had on the Disney Channel, which was a really dynamic, interesting show where they were literally breaking down boundaries and yeah. things. And so I go as much as much as I go. Actually, I think Aristocats would be a really cute. Um, I, I also go, let's tell a different story. Now, interestingly enough, did you know there was going to be an Aristocat sequel? What? In, in 2005, to be released alongside of sequels of uh, Chicken Little and the Meet the Robinsons. You can't, was, Disney, and I'm glad you didn't. I Well, and they were like, it's going to be 2D, and then they were like, or maybe it's going to be computer animated because it was Disney Toon Studios. Mm. So it was that studio that, like, made a bunch of the movies at the time of that era. Yeah. But I was also like, maybe they should have because, like, Home on the Range is one of the best-liked movies from that time, and I haven't even seen that movie. So, yeah. like... That that post Renaissance time is a is a beefy time to get through, but yeah, it was going to center around the kittens a little bit older, mm. and it was going to have Marie meeting a uh, rambunctious kitten on a a brilliant ocean liner in nineteen sixteen, um, and falling very smitten in love with with this kitten. Not the Titanic. Okay, because like, that's nineteen fourteen. That's nineteen fourteen. 
1914. Yeah, it's a it's a pleasure vessel, a pleasure vessel. Um, and then the family gets wrapped up um, in uh, a, an international jewel heist. Oh, great. and they need to save the day on a on a on a ship. Um, and I was reading that. Okay, and that's the kind of that's the kind of sequel I could get into. Me too. But then John Lasseter apparently became chief commander of of arms and said, "Fuck off, we're not doing an Aristocats sequel." <laughs> Which now that we know, well, but that was also the time that he's like, or we could be producing more Miyazaki movies, and I was like, produce more Miyazaki movies. Yeah, give me that y'all f- Miyazaki. <laughs> y'all, y'all fucked up letting that go, but whatever. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, hey, we got it streaming now, I guess. Just, well, on HBO, I don't want to pay for HBO as well. Oh no, they're they're on uh, Amazon Prime for rental. Well, I mean, I also own most of them. Yeah, it's so silly to just be like, well, now that these are available digitally, I want physical copies of them now, I guess. Just give me the DVD spirit away. What am I even doing? Well, and it's hard because I'm like, I don't particularly want the DVD of Pocoroso, but like part of me is like, you need to have the whole collection, you obsessive compulsive weirdo. It's like, you know, it's, you know, it's fine. But um, yeah, so I think it's all these things together. I can't imagine, I can't imagine them leaving the script alone. Um, I also am not sure I'd want them. I also feel like they would put it in like contemporary Paris, which I'm not sure I would like. And I'm sure they would put a kid in it as well. Like they would give the, the, the madam a grandchild or something because you need, you need kids. I do just imagine that they would put the little CGI Marie in a little beret and a bow and it would just be lot, lots of plush sales that would be ugly because those Lion King plush were ugly as hell and yeah. those Funko were terrifying so it's like part of me is like do it do it do it or I'm like put more money into the Mandalorian please yeah just just do the Mando listen you've got you've got a baby right there that's doing pretty well you know or or put that money to step up production time because I've had that plush pre-ordered for months yeah. and I am an impatient, impatient depressive who would love to come home and cuddle with my little green bean. Yeah. So I'm saying my poor girls at the the uh, Build-A-Bear here in our mall are sick of me coming and going, y'all got a date yet? Y'all Because <laughs> I'm waiting. But, you know, it's uh, Disney has always been so creative. Now, granted, they have made an entire brand of taking other people's work and repurposing it for their own. Oh, for sure, yeah. Like, and we can't we can't deny that. It's hard to talk about Disney as this sort of creative force and not also touch on just how semi evil they can be as a corporation. Like they have they have taken copyright and just like run it forever like something that was invented before i was born will not become public domain until after i die if we're yeah. lucky you know and just the, the 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 weird blatant like co-opting of things or even just their like current record of general corporate acquisition you know i finished watching the Aristocats and was like, oh, Thumbelina's on Disney Plus? Mm-hmm. That's a Don Bluth Fox movie. And it's yes. so bizarre to me to watch this like conglomerate behemoth borderline monopoly happen. Mm-hmm. All the while like going back to the 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 well of The Little Mermaid, you know, and mm-hmm. how much that movie mm-hmm. means to me. Like how that piece of art 
has influenced my life, but then to to also pair with the just strategic business moves that Disney has made or even the discussion to be had about the the treatment of their their park workers. You yeah. Know, it's all just like super complicated and I think yep. it's and to and to sort of bring it back to a theme concerning the the uh, the Chinese cat in Aristocats. Mm-hmm. I think we just got to be smart about it all. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can emotionally connect with art that means stuff to us, but also still be really aware that maybe yeah. the machine that made this wasn't the most equitable or the most egalitarian. Right, right. right. I have, as of this week, I've just accepted a position at Walt Disney World for the summer to to be employed. Uh, we love being booked and blessed, but you know, it's one of those things. That I think I will still forever call into contention the practices of that Bob Iger is upset that he lost $12 million in pay this year and that he's going to be making $65 million a severance, but they've had five cast members in three years die sleeping in their car at Disneyland because they make minimum wage. Yep. And that is wrong, especially compared to that Florida is not the same. And while you have, you also, I've got friends in entertainment that work at Disney, Universal, SeaWorld, and Busch Gardens. And they're barely making ends meet. And they pay quite a bit down here in Florida. But it's because all of the um, landlords are going, cool, if Disney can do this, we're just going to start charging a huge amount of money um, to, you know, operate. Or, yeah, it's it's the same way. It's it's almost like the economic system we live under isn't working. I mean, who knew? What? 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 Uh, it's it's almost like the way our government runs is broken down and should have been revised <laughs> more than 250 years ago. It's almost like we live in an oligarchy, almost. I mean, I'm not saying that outright. Like, it's almost like that. Ah. Uh. Okay. I mean, okay. and it's okay. But okay. like Lin, but like Lin Manuel wrote about like the founding of the country, so like it must not be a bad thing, right? Yeah. Like like we can just like keep going. Oh, yeah. okay. Wasn't wasn't no. wasn't George Washington like a super cool guy like all the time? He rapped. Like every yeah, he second. Rapped. Yeah. He, like, rapped yeah. and was like so cool. Yeah, Thomas Jefferson. He yeah, right? He was a good yeah. dude. Well, okay, talking this week, um, this will be a little data by the time we come out, but they just announced that the Hamilton recording of the original Broadway cast is going to be released by Disney. Yep. And which also means Disney will be releasing the future Hamilton film that will be coming out. Yeah. And Lynn now has a really great relationship with Disney. He has starred in a film, he has written the music for a film, he has another movie coming up soon. But, like, shit. Like, also talking about... Because that means eventually when the rights of Hamilton are released, they'll be released under Disney theatrics. Yeah. And, like... um you know, I was looking at Disney theatrics the other day because you now lease from them. You no longer lease from MTI through for the Disney shows. And so, like, Disney theatrics is also like Shakespeare in Love, which is, like, so weird for me because they yeah. own Fox now. And... It's it's so weird. We were talking about this in our graduate office the other day, and someone was like, I do not understand how you all can support this company who is literally taking over everything. And I was like, well, yes and no. But, like, the fact that they own the Fox things and are continue going to release under, like, 20th Century and Spotlight, I was I, – because I thought it was just going to get absorbed in, and then it was released this past week that they were just dropping Fox from both of them. And I went – Oh, 
okay. Um, or that New Mutants is going to be set in the MCU. Yeah. Is sh- like I was like, well, I guess they know what they're going to do with the X Men. Because, I mean, which I'm sure will come up on the Infinity cast at some point. At some point, for sure. Because <laughs> y'all yeah. are about to jump into a whole new phase. Oh, for uh, sure. You're about yeah. to have a ton of content. And, but it's but, so... But also I think it's important to to recognize that while the discussion of supporting this this machine isn't great, like, it's kind of impossible to avoid supporting problematic companies. Uh, the the mm-hmm. old, That old adage, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Like, no matter where mm-hmm. you go, like, everyone everyone got up in arms about the, the Spider-Man Disney breakup mm-hmm. for a hot second. And everyone's like, how dare Disney do this to Sony? And it's like, but also Sony is is another mega billion dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it, th- we need to just recognize that like all of this is kind of a problem. So yeah. like if you, if it, you want to if you want to enjoy the art that is made through mm-hmm. through these less than amazing corporations, like at least we have the art to cling to. You know, at least at least we know that like somewhere along the line some creatives got together and like made a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's just it's well, kind of hard to 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 wash your hands of all of it because then you mm-hmm. literally have to wash your hands of all of it. Well, and it's also then going to slowly put so many artists and brilliant people out of work yeah. because, like, yeah, one shitty person might have made a film, but then you've got to look at the thousands of other people down to catering and security and custodial that are affected when people stop making these projects. Cause yeah. like at the end, like that's what sucks is that all these Fox movies are now released under Disney, but like they're getting released versus being tucked away in a, a vault somewhere and sat on. Mm-hmm. They're going to get wide release and the people who negotiated money out of those things are going to get more money out of it. Um, well, like the Disney and Sony, you'd pour our, our poor little jelly bean, drunk jelly bean Tom Holland stuck in the middle, calling Bob Iger, begging to keep his job. Like, you know, and it's it's hard to think because I was like, that kid made millions of dollars yeah, to show like, up for five minutes in Civil War. I can't, you know, he'll be just fine. Yeah. But like, do you think that he's thinking on the same wavelength as as someone who is begging because his, you know, his franchise got shut down because somebody bought out their local Taco Bell franchise begging to keep his job? You know, it's it's not that simplistic for everyone at home. I know you're yelling at your cars right now, but, um, you know, it's it's that thing of it's still affecting so many people mm-hmm. and the moment we stop consuming art, we lose a part of ourselves as humans. And it's like, it's like that Ryan Murphy thing at the end of the day of, I don't necessarily agree with Ryan Murphy in his politics and who he is as a person, but he's seeing his privilege to getting to produce whatever he wants to at FX and him going, cool, you all, no one will pick up this show written by a black queer playwright, uh, playwright about the, the queer ballroom community, the mm-hmm. non-white performers in New York. I'm going to force you all to produce this and let him run his own show and fund it. And so while I don't necessarily agree with Ryan Murphy and people like him, they are using their little bits of privilege along the way to, to help 
people who are struggling whose work might never get seen. And so, again, it's not as dynamic as me going, go see that movie anyway, because everybody already got paid for it. It's already been paid for. So the only thing you're doing is putting more people out of work. Yeah. Um, it was an argument somebody had earlier today on Facebook about no one should go see Birds of Prey because no one should support anything in the DC um, movie universe. And I was like, okay, but then think about what that's going to say to DC when no one goes to see a woman-led, completely female cast hero movie that's – well, supervillain movie that's not Wonder Woman. Yeah. Like what it, DC needs no excuse to not continue to do something like so, you know, it's and while I'm not the biggest DC fan, it's like by you sitting there and just going, don't support any of their products. It's like we can't draw that line anymore um, or you can, but it's it's not it's it's a very clouded and convoluted discussion to have that I, I think we we're not going to see the end of for a while no for sure and it's and it, it and it comes down to support representation where you can find it and have discourse mm-hmm. about it not not the shitty discourse not the discourse tm 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 but like right. the 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 discourse that moves us forward the discourse that that we can have about the the siamese cat or the chinese cat where it's mm-hmm. like maybe this wasn't the best mm-hmm. way to do this, mm-hmm. but like this change is granular. And that's, I think mm-hmm. that's an important lesson to take away. Like it's just every, every step forward can benefit. Like for me, the live action Mulan, I want to see it because I do want to support me a too. piece that is, that is filled with, with, with Asian actors. But there's also a part of me that's like, I don't really want to support this film because of the politics of the lead actress. Like, I just don't really mm-hmm. agree with what she's saying. But I also want to work really hard to show that these movies can be valuable and that mm-hmm. these stories can be worth mm-hmm. telling. Because if we just if we don't approach it with nuance, we're going to lose what momentum we have in terms of representation. Right. And right. I, and I also understand that like recuperation is a big part of this. Like we cannot escape the elephant in the room that that Pepsi's gonna use representation to sell cans. You know that mm-hmm. that we're going to at some point watch the 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 machine of capitalism gobble up any particular like political movement and they're therein mm-hmm. render it toothless. But I think if we're mm-hmm. if we can if we as consumers continue to engage in pieces and and take them and talk about them and and work through them and go, well yes, this was really great but this one thing wasn't so hot, you know, then mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. there's power in voices coming together to talk about things to to really like discuss them and like and imbue them with with what we want to see going forward you know we've 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 come so far from 1970s chinese cat but Mm -hmm. we've got so much further to go Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i think just like out out and out just giving up and being like well fuck the man whatever like it's not gonna get us anywhere Right. But I think but I think being like I say fuck the man because of this because this is not great. This is not a good look. This ain't it, chief. Whatever mm-hmm. you want to mm-hmm. use to describe it. Mm-hmm. Like coming forward with, "Hey, this is this is sucky and here's why it's sucky. Maybe do it better. Like let's get let's get yeah. better. Let's get smarter. Let's learn our past and not repeat those same mistakes mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. and also like 
understand that no matter what you do, no matter what product you participate in, whether it's the 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 food you bought at the grocery or the movie you watched last week, we're all contributing to a, a, a system that is exploitive by its nature. Mm-hmm. I, I can't help but think of The Good Place, where they've got the point system, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. ah, yes, buying a tomato 100 years ago net you two points, but buying a tomato in 2020 is going to net you negative 600 points because mm-hmm. of the exploitation of the farmer on the plot of mm-hmm. land, the exploitation of the delivery person, the exploitation of the people who made the pesticide, the use of the pesticide. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, it's, it's, it's all connected in that weird way that being a, a futuristic society is. So I, I just think that there's better ways to go about it, to voice our opinions. Mm-hmm but still be able to contribute in, in a society because we live in a society. I didn't know mm-hmm. that. What? A society? What? Yeah. I thought we were just living, I thought we were living in some sort of matrix-like uh, Sims program. If only. I would love to and not our, have a our, body, to be real. I don't. <laughs> I would love to be non-corporeal and just be code that would be great can i be a robot now thank you <laughs> that would be lovely you know it, it would make uh any <laughs> but you know it's funny i always go wouldn't it be nice to be a robot because then i wouldn't have to worry about disassociating in the middle of this conversation i'm having with 14 people oh wait but then i probably wouldn't be ha- oh okay here we are <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and these are the things i'm thinking about while i disassociate but <laughs> um yeah no yeah, and it's – I think we all need to continue to be able to have nuanced conversations with people who have different views from ourselves. Not saying that we have to respect people's different views because they are violent and negative and they are going to bring you know, bad things against other people. But it's just that we need to be able to listen and positively discuss our points of view. Yeah. Um, and I think we're we're starting to lose that, but I get it because I'm I'm so frustrated every day when I have you know I have to think about how I have a conversation with a student because they come from you know somewhere where they are fully supportive of the Trump administration and all mm-hmm. these things, and it's not because they are bad people, but it's just because that is all they've known. Yeah. And so, you know, it's one of those things I need to still be able to have a soft and delicate and polite conversation because we're also, also, we're all just human at the end of the day. And God, I wish we were talking animals like in a Disney film because God, it'd be easier. Maybe. I don't know. Probably. I mean, it depends. Do you have a a vengeful butler who just does not want you around anymore? Then you might have a problem. No, I mean, I would end up being like Turk the Elephant from Tarzan, probably, or yeah. um, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe we'll all get to Zootopia eventually. I don't know. Maybe where where I'm just a gay jaguar <laughs> police officer that keeps donuts in his neck. I don't know, but. Rachel, thank you so much for being on the show with of me today. Course. This has been absolutely wonderful. And I love that our conversation, you know, uh, starting about cute cats can still go elsewhere because I think we all need to continue to have these conversations. Yeah, um, like, so, just always, always stay cognizant of the world yes. that you live in and always find ways to, I guess, you know, meet yourself where you are. 
mm-hmm. and meet others where they are. And like yeah. the practice of patience is is critical to mm. to moving forward. Like we can we can stomp our fists and get so mad at the 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 crappy representation of 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 characters in the past, but we could also continue discussing why that's a problem mm-hmm. and just mm-hmm. and go forward. Go forward. Just yeah. go, Excelsior, go forward. guys. Excelsior. Yes. 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 Take take Stan's legacy. Go forward. Um, well, Rachel, is there anything you've got coming up that you'd like to pitch? Oh, of uh, of course. As 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 mentioned before, I do have two podcasts. Uh, I don't know why I said it with weird emphasis. Podcasts. Uh, podcasts. One is podcasts. Uh, one is uh, Screen Snark, which is a movie and television uh, a conversation slash interview that I do with Matt Storm uh, as part of the Certain Point of View podcast network. Uh, and I also do a weekly podcast with the incomparable Patrick H. Willems and the just mega talented Scott Thomas, uh, where we dissect pop culture through the lens of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It is called the Infinity Podcast. Uh, and uh, mostly I get mad at capitalism over there, just full <laughs> warning. <laughs> the economic system that we live under does not does not jive with me, buds. Uh, and uh, stay stay tuned on my Twitter, uh, which is at I am Rachel Shank. That's uh, I am Rachel S C H E N K uh, for upcoming announcements for uh, a solo Ooh. video series on YouTube. It's it's happening. Uh, the first piece that I'm going to do is a dissection of the G Kids film "Weathering with You." Uh, it's in its first draft. Oh, so good, good. I'm look, so excited. Look out for that. Uh, probably middle March. Yes, yeah. yes. So you heard it here uh, first, dreamers. I, so, I'm trying not to talk about it too much, but it's happening. I'm making videos. God help me. So you gave us your Twitter. Where else can they find you online? Um, uh, uh, on Instagram under the same handle at I am Rachel Shank. And don't look me up on LinkedIn. It sucks. I hate LinkedIn. Don't do it. I have two LinkedIn's and one is trash and the other one's a corporate sellout. So don't go there. I, I love my, my, my design mentor the other day said, who the fuck uses LinkedIn? And I was like, I don't know. I'm being told by by uh, the memes of the world right now that someone uses LinkedIn. I don't have one because I, I, I'm... I don't get why, but yeah. well, thanks so much. Thank I appreciate so you much. having you on the show. Oh, of course. Have me over anytime. I love Disney forever. Oh, we would, we, you will be back. You will be back. Yes. <laughs> thanks again for tuning in for another episode of the Dole Open Dreams podcast. You all have been keeping us landing in the top charts in the U.S. and Australia every week, and we cannot thank you enough. Your five-star ratings and your thoughtful reviews keep us there. Now, I'm up for a new challenge. I would love for us to hit 100 reviews and ratings by the end of April, and I think we can do it. Now, if you haven't left those yet, head over to Apple Podcasts or our new friends at Podchaser, and you can leave those now. Right now. Yeah, right now. I'll wait. (laughs) Now, share us with your friends on social media. And remember, pledging just $2 a month. That's just just $2 a month. It's not even a Starbucks. It's maybe a cup of uh, Froyo. 
but it helps us keep the show going. And it helps me bring on more artists to help make the show the best as possible. Again, a huge shout out to our digital editor and our audio engineer, David White. You are absolutely amazing. Now join us next time as we oodle all the day in the short forest where I am joined by author and podcast host Pat Edwards as we take a deep dive into Robin Hood. That's right, your teenage crush, your childhood crush, that Robin Hood. Yeah, him. <laughs> as always, may your days be filled with Dole Whip and dreams.